0: About them Irish.
1: I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast.
0: And we are back welcome to the four horsemen podcast i'm dylan joined by steve as always and the fighting irish of notre dame are 10 and 0 to complete an undefeated regular season for the second time in three years so don't know if you guys have known this but ever since the podcast has been up and running we have a 67 percent chance of going undefeated in the regular season steve what are your thoughts on that
1: I will directly claim responsibility for that. And if you would like to Venmo me, it's at Steve Campy. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we got to get P. only OnlyFans account so people can <laughs> send him money. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Brian Kelly has three undefeated seasons at Notre Dame. Lou Holtz has one. That tweet pissed off a lot of you, as I knew it would. Here's the thing we're not making an argument there at all about who's better or anything like that. It's just very interesting to me that Brian Kelly has done this three times to, to lose one. And I think part of that is a lot of the Notre Dame fan base right now, I think kind of grew up in the nineties. So there's this real revered love for Lou Holtz and, uh, and coach Holtz had a great tenure. He won a national championship, but I think people look a little too fondly on those old days. Um, compared to some of the previous successes under Notre Dame's history, you know, specifically with Parsegian or or going back to Leahy. Um, so it was interesting to bring that up because Lou Holtz I, I only did it once, right? I, you go through history, you know, 93 was Boston College, uh, 92 there was loss at Stanford. It's you, you always have kind of one of those stumbling blocks and what Kelly has done at Notre Dame. And I think really the point of the whole tweet was to say, Look, let's give this guy some credit for what he has done here at this kind of program. And, uh, and I think that's definitely owed to, uh, to Coach Kelly. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Lou
1: went 86 to 96, you know, and had, I'd want to say, I mean, 88, 89, 92, and 93 were his best seasons. Other than that, it, You know, there were definitely some good years, a couple of 10 wins, a couple of nine wins. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to if you I'm sure if you go by winning percentage, I'm sure if you go by number of overall wins over a 10 year period, they're probably going to look comparable. And obviously, Lou is going to get the nod from everyone, rightfully so, as the national championship winner that he was, and arguably two time national championship winner, if uh, the AP weren't a bunch of cowards. In 1993, (laughs) but Coach Holtz, one of the goats. Unbelievable. He is great. He's fantastic. I think uh, exactly to your point, Dylan, I think this is more so a recognition that we are truly in the midst of something special as it stands currently.
0: Yeah, and someone brought up a good point on Twitter, too, saying, you know, Lou Holtz had tougher schedules back then, which I think I would agree with, but they, the person asked, do you think Kelly's gotten the short end of the stick when it's come to who you've played in the title game? So, for example, Lou Holtz got to play a West Virginia team who was good, but Notre Dame smoked him. Kelly got a prime Nick Saban, Alabama team, and then in 2018 ran into Clemson, who then beat uh, Nick Saban, Alabama team by about 7,000 in the finals. <laughs> so that's an interesting thing, too, is, is Kelly's kind of run into some trouble, whereas... Um, Lou was the trouble. I think that's the way to put it. Um, But I think at the end of the day, we just have to give coach credit here for another good season. Um, I think regardless if we played pre-COVID or post-COVID schedule, I think we would have gone undefeated anyway, knowing what we know now. Um, It's a big accomplishment. And look, in our 132, 133-year history, we're going to be playing in our first-ever conference championship game in our first season. So for those of you who aren't familiar... Uh the the ACC canceled the Wake Forest game which we speculated a bit about earlier and Notre Dame is clinched uh so is Clemson so it's going to be a showdown um but before we get into that let's talk about Syracuse were you surprised by the game at all Steve <laughs> The honest answer is no I mean
1: yeah, the the full blown expectation was to hang 49 on them by the half and then just, you know, bring in Drew Pine and Brendan Clark and, and all the other possible seniors and, you know, hopefully get Cameron Ekenyane. I believe that's how you say his name. I probably botched it, but he's a Rhodes Scholar. So shout out him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it. it it stunk to uh, you know, early on just to see us struggling and and at a point losing the game, which was a a little bit ridiculous, but um, it happens sometimes football, you know, every once in a while you, you have a couple of bad drives. Honestly, our first couple of drives, it felt like bad luck, you know, a couple of drop touchdown (laughs) passes, a couple of drop passes along the way, Michael Mayer catching the ball right at the fourth down line and, going backward and getting caught up, you know, he, he, a guy who almost never gets tackled by the first guy. So Uh, it was, it was frustrating, but at no point was I ever concerned we were going to lose that game. At no point did I think that we were going to be losing heading into halftime. I knew that we were far and away better. I was very confident the whole time. It was, it was more so just a nuisance, more of an annoyance, just like when, when, a, when a mosquito is biting you, you know you're going to eventually slap the mosquito and kill it. You are going to win that battle a hundred times out of a hundred. It's just it's, it's an annoying little bastard. That's basically what we experienced.
0: <laughs> now did that accent slip, or was that intended?
1: It was intended.
0: I gave you a little yeah. bit of my Boston there. My fucking Boston kid. I like to think it was a slip, but fair enough. <laughs> Um, I think based on the parameters we set up last week for what we wanted to see, Notre Dame failed. It wasn't a good game. We wanted to see 35 by halftime, and the starters ejected. <clears throat> not because they targeted or just because, you know, getting yanked for by the coach, not by the referees. Yeah. Um, and that didn't happen at all. Um, the game was, I think, far too close for far too long. It ended up being a blowout, and then it looked like a better blowout until Syracuse let off a 80-yard touchdown run themselves, but basically the last three minutes of the first half and the fourth quarter were good. Um, book I thought was fantastic for most of the game. Um, but overall it's not what you wanted. You wanted to put them in a week where Alabama beat LSU by, I think, 40 and yeah. in a week where Clemson looked like Clemson and in a week where Ohio State beat Michigan State by, again, 7,000. Yeah. Um you want it to be in that class of, of teams. Because that's the thing with Notre Dame in, in 18 and 2012. The argument against us has been, well, we've never really blown out teams. We've never shown that we were on that level. And we've done that in part this year. Not consistently, but we've done it for the most part. And we beat Clemson. So I think the question of our talent and where we are is is not really up for debate. We are among the top four. But you want to see that going into the championship game. So that's unfortunate. Um, I don't really know what happened, if maybe the guys took a break, if um, the drops just really killed a lot of momentum. But I think what we would all say is the game was over. The game is over. It's done. No real injuries, maybe Bo Bauer. But for the most part, we, we survived on that front. And we'll be going into Clemson healthy, with the exception of our center and wide receiver um, Kevin Austin, and of course, speaking of Jared Patterson. So we're going to be pretty good. Um, do you, you know, have anything, any four horsemen you want to get into? Anything about anything like that for the Clemson game, or the Syracuse game?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, general thoughts. I mean, I I did pick some horsemen just to to carry on the tradition. Uh, and there's actually a special tradition I wanted to include in the horseman, and then I'll get to my thoughts. Uh, so the fourth ho- horseman, and someone who I who I did want to give uh, some props to, who uh, it's a little bit less conventional than than usual, but the uh, the P- public announcer, uh, the PA an- announcer, um, you know, Mike Collins. This was his last game uh, an- as the PA for Notre Dame. I think he's been doing this since the 80s, if I recall correctly. Uh, so he he's been there for for quite some time. So he, uh, yeah, as as his last game, just wanted to give him some props. And then without giving any sort of stats, I'm going to go three through one. Uh, Jeremiah Usukoramoa, koromoa Ian Book, and Javon McKinley. I think it's, it's pretty evident as to why they should be the horsemen.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, I didn't think too much about this one either. I think we're all pretty done with Syracuse and thinking about them. Um, but for me, um, I'll go... Uh, Javon McKinley, number one, I believe that was, um, three touchdowns two. um, though you had made a point, Steve, that at some point, uh, during the season, Javon McKinley didn't have a touchdown. He's our leading receiver, uh, and he hadn't scored. So he broke out last yesterday, uh, and and had a fantastic game. Second horseman for me, I'm going to go Ian Book. Um, again, this kid is, is unreal. Um, he needs to be in the Heisman discussion. He just needs to be there. And as I've, as I've said for a couple weeks now, he's not going to win the Heisman on my ballot. I have him third, and I think that's probably his ceiling. But, you know, he he belongs in the conversation. And and that's the thing with the in-book, right? We saw him throw for three touchdowns, saw him run for two touchdowns. Did throw an interception, but that doesn't really bother me too much, especially because we, I think, got a fumble on the very next play. Um, so Ian Book, second for me. I thought he was all over the place, pretty electric. Um, third, I'll go Ben Skoranek. Um, I'm just trying to remember. I think Connor McQuiston's total EPA had McKinley won Skoranek too. Uh, and then fourth for me, uh, the Joker. Just fantastic again. I mean, he's played himself into a, a first-round pick, if not maybe first half of the first round. And and that hit he delivered to, to cause the, the fumble was unbelievable. It was, it was it was something from uh, a video game like Madden or NCAA video game. It's like a hit stick where you hit the guy in the arms and the ball just flies. And that's what it was. And you don't see that too often. Usually you see rips, you see, uh, you know, crown to helmet or crown of the helmet to the football. Um, but yeah, not him. The Joker just murders people. And uh, and that's, that's the way it is. Um, so I didn't really have a juice moment. Um, I I'm just glad this is over. Uh, Syracuse, credit to them. They're going to come back strong. They've had some good. I thought they had some good corners. Um, they're a young team, but it's it's time to focus on on other things, right? The season is over. We're 10 and 0, and uh, we're going to go into the ACC title game. That's that's exciting. Our first ever. And we talked about this. This was the narrative before the season started. How funny would it be if Notre Dame goes in, smashes the ACC, and walks out, never joins a conference again? I think it'd be hilarious.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are we are one for one in being in a conference and, and uh, competing for a conference title game. So uh, I guess it's it's pretty fucking easy. All these years that people were telling us to join a conference, to, in order to be considered for the college football playoff, join a conference. Yeah, well, suck my balls. We did it in the first year we ever had to. It was easy as shit. So. I don't know. What, I don't like the the argument is completely the, the rug is completely pulled against anyone in the future. And another reason that the rug is going to be pulled out against anyone in the future is also with Ohio State and the atrocity of them only pay, playing like six games and still getting in just on on name brand alone, which is totally preposterous. But
0: well, uh, it is where they are. They are pretty friggin
1: good. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. good to you. Uh, and, and who are they, they going to play? Like they're going to play a Michigan team and they played Indiana who is still suspect and average, right? They, they should, they should have to play, uh, you know, the, the conference title game, which is probably going to be Northwestern at this point. But, yeah, so Northwestern will be a decent win. Indiana will be a decent win. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're probably going to beat the shit out of Michigan, uh, but they, they should have to earn their spot. I mean, they're, they'll quote unquote earn it probably by, by beating Northwestern in the title game. Um, but it, it would have, been nice to also see them play Wisconsin Uh, it is what it is though they're going to get in just because of their recent success and their name brand but I don't think they deserve it
0: yeah I I understand the argument I think the resume is pretty pretty dog shit but at at this point there's not many other teams who are good enough to get into the playoff because, like, A&M is five, and A&M isn't good. We've seen that. We, we know A&M isn't really a good team, and they're only number five because Florida is at number six, and they have to be behind Texas A&M. As soon as, you know, to me, as soon as Alabama beats Florida, Texas A&M is sliding down those rankings with them, for me at least. I just, I cannot justify teams ahead of Florida, and therefore I cannot justify Texas A&M below anyone else. So by default, the committee stuck with a at five and Ohio State with five wins or six wins is just good enough to get in for me at this point. But you know what? That's a good segue. Let's talk about the college football playoff because Notre Dame is destined for three outcomes. And this is, I think, important for the listeners to understand what the hell's going on with the, with the committee and, and what our prospects are. So there's three options, uh, Steve, for this football team. There is the option where we beat Clemson, and we're in. Simple as that, right? Mm-hmm. Among that option, there are, there's two possibilities. There is Notre Dame and Alabama both win, or Notre Dame wins and Alabama loses. If that's the case, option number one: Notre Dame wins, Alabama loses. We are playing Ohio State. Sorry. That is if Alabama wins. If Alabama wins and Notre Dame wins, we are playing Ohio State. That is the two versus three. because That would Clemson be the lo- ideal. Because Clemson is defeated, so they are at least number four. There's no way they can stay at number three. And Florida has been defeated. So Alabama won, Notre Dame two. Perhaps reverse, but I doubt it. Uh, and then Ohio State, three, and then you're looking at either A&M or Cincinnati, four. That is option number one, Alabama-Notre Dame wins. That is very possible. Option number two is Notre Dame wins and Alabama loses. In this case, we're playing Alabama, and that's really unfortunate because you want a favorable first-round matchup as the number one seed. But what's going to happen is if Alabama loses to Florida and Notre Dame goes to number one, Florida will jump into the top four, they'll probably go three, Ohio State goes two, and Alabama is number four. The reason for this is they're not going to want a rematch of a game played two weeks ago. So you have to think of that when you're when you're looking into consideration. So it's going to be Notre Dame versus Alabama in that situation. If the reverse happens and Notre Dame loses and Alabama wins, we're in the same spot. We just go to four and Bama stays at one. So that is the second outcome here. You have, we play Ohio State if we both win. If one of us, us meaning Alabama and Notre Dame, loses, we are playing each other. And the third outcome is if we both lose. And if that that happens, we are likely out of the playoff, barring Ohio State losing. Uh, It is possible maybe the committee says, you know what, screw it, Ohio State, even undefeated, doesn't get in, and we'll put a a one-loss Notre Dame and Alabama. I doubt it. But that's what we're headed for. We're destined right now for three outcomes. We are getting Ohio State. We are getting Alabama or road. That's that's it. Um, and I think the most likely outcome is between Ohio State or Alabama. That have, last
1: scenario you said is absolutely criminal, in my opinion. Where Ohio State gets in and Notre Dame is is out. That would be criminal. I mean, we would have to lose to Clemson and Trevor Lawrence by like 30 in order for that to be. Be remotely valid in my opinion
0: it is, I, it is possible it is i did cut that you, you off though so i'm sorry oh, okay. if,
1: if there was any other questions you were going to ask
0: no i think you brought up a good point there um even if we lose to and and to clemson and alabama loses to florida there is a chance we're still in you're like you said that maybe the committee does say you know what ohio state doesn't deserve it in that case we'd be playing florida but I I just think the way the committee is um, and the way Ohio State has been dominating, I think an undefeated Ohio State is in over us. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not going to happen because I do not believe Notre Dame and Alabama will lose. I think one of them could for sure. It could be us or it could be them, in which case we play each other or we could both win and then we play Ohio State. But in terms of, you know, tampering with expectations of the fan base and the listeners, Joining us right right now, expect Ohio State or Alabama. That's what we're destined for. At this point, it would be very, very unlikely for us to miss the playoffs, but it is possible. But in terms of playoff teams, unless something really wacky happens, we're getting Alabama or we're getting Ohio State. Make your peace with it now, and let's get it ready to roll because January first, I think, is going to be a complete turnaround for this program and is like the moment of crescendo of this something we're building. You keep talking about that, right? We're building something special. I think that could come to fruition on January 1st, regardless of who we're playing.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, It's, I I think we're going to probably end up playing, well, here's the deal. We're going to end up playing Alabama if we win. We're going to end up playing Alabama if we lose. We're going to end up playing one way or another because... If we make it into the final, then we're going to play them. If if like one of those scenarios, like Bama's Bama's coming down the stretch in, in some capacity.
0: semifinal in, in, or final, we're playing Bama at some point is what you're saying. Exactly. So
1: either either we we
0: lose and then we
1: play them in the first round or we basically win out to the title game and then we play them again. So just get that expectation on the on you know, right out there. It's a rematch from eight years ago. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy the way that everything is turned out. Ohio State, I keep fixating on them because they're the real wrench thrown into this. If if they played at least nine games, then like maybe there would be some validity to them. I just I will continue to see them as illegitimate. But all things considered, the way that the scenarios are going to play out, it's I would I would be very pumped to play Ohio State in the first round. That would that's the ideal scenario in my opinion. Is if if we beat Clemson again, just. Punt them into the fucking sun. Just get the hell away from the playoffs. Get out of my. Just get away forever. Just, get. Just stop. Stop being relevant. Even though DJ Ukulele is arguably going to be the best quarterback in college football next year. Um. All right, yeah. Just if we can just get Clemson the fuck away from us forever, or at least for the next twelve months. And then focus on Ohio State and and Bama, both of which I think, crazily enough, are winnable games. They're, both of their defenses are not the defenses that you would expect from both programs. So we stand a chance to to win, literally, any any of those final three teams that we would potentially play, we can and sh-
0: potentially, sh- I, I, I don't want to say should win, but we, we absolutely can win. Well... I, so you said a lot of things there. I want to talk about actually. Yeah. Um, first is Ohio State. Um, we don't have a good recent history with them, so I'm not as excited to play them as you are. Um, but uh, but you know I, I take your point there. It's going to be a, a fun game, especially with how with how um, these two programs should be rivals, right? Notre Dame has rivalries with a lot of Big Ten schools, Indiana and Ohio. There really should have been something here. they are two blue bloods, and it's never really materialized. I think we've only played six times in history. So that would be extremely fun. Um, but you brought up a good point. They've only played six games. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but the Pac-12 has been completely discredited from this playoff because they're only playing six games. You know, USC is undefeated right now. Uh, they're currently playing as we speak. They're looking and- good. And, uh, you know what I mean? They're 15th in the ranking. And now it's possible. When I say, you know, A&M Cincinnati, I will throw out USC as a long shot to get in. It's possible. But the very fact that they're so far behind in the rankings signals to me that the committee is not taking them that seriously. And you got to question the double standard because Ohio State's going to have played the same amount of games, but they're getting a pass into the playoff. And a lot of that is based on preconceived notions from the preseason of who you expected to be good now i would also counter myself there and say well ohio state is just a really good team and you can you can tell that by watching them right you could use the eye test as some of the the analysts call it um to put ohio state in there but you bring up a good point um they've played six games i don't know how you could justify that other thing i want to talk about is um clemson right You said (laughs) you don't want to deal with Clemson anymore. Beat them and get them the hell out of here. I think I kind of want them in the playoff. I know that's crazy. I know that's crazy. But hear me out. Extrapolate
1: because assuming... Well, regardless, win or loss, we will not
0: play them in the first round. This is true. This is true. By I want them in the playoff, I mean I don't want to play them in the playoff, but I want them to be in the playoff. And Mm -hmm. my rationale there is... Uh, We tweeted from the podcast account earlier today. Alabama is going to get a bye if we both win. If Notre Dame and Alabama both win their conference games, the fourth team is A&M or Cincinnati or Longshot SC, and Alabama has a bye to the final. I don't want that. I am sick of Alabama. Our total title claims are at 22. They're at 21. You know what I mean? I don't need them winning anything else. I want Alabama to have a tough road, but I also don't want to play them. And the one thing I can think of is if Clemson were to lose to Notre Dame again, but very closely, would you, if you're a member on the committee, and you guys tweet us this, your responses, would you consider putting a two-loss Clemson team in over a one-loss A&M in an undefeated Cincinnati?
1: Awkward pause for a (laughs) fact. One second here.
0: I'll tell you... I'll tell you the I top coming three. Through clear? You are coming through loud and clear. I will tell okay. you the top three for all of you who are, you know, trying to do the math in your head. A- Alabama is the number one seed. They've defeated Florida. Notre Dame is the two seed. We've beaten Clemson. Ohio State is the three seed. They are six and zero oh or seven and zero. Oh. The four seed is between, and this is probably a very likely outcome here. It is between one loss Texas A and M, undefeated Cincinnati, will throw in undefeated Southern Cal. Uh, although I don't think they have a shot, two-loss Clemson, and, like, two-loss, like, Oklahoma, but you know what I mean? The, that's probably not going to happen because they're. I, I can't see them jumping Clemson. So those are your your four teams, A&M, Cincinnati, USC, assuming they go undefeated, and Clemson with two losses. Who is your fourth team? Because this is a very real scenario.
1: Yeah, um... You included Cincy in there, right? I, I think I'd go with Cincy in, in that particular scenario. I mean, if, if Clemson loses two times to Notre Dame, there's,
0: there's, there's just no justification for them being in, in my, in my what opinion. What if it's tight? What if it's overtime? Two overtime losses to Notre Dame, who is the two-seed? It's just thought-provoking, right? It's, it's, I, I think Cincinnati would be the team they put in because we've seen Alabama A&M, and like I said earlier, the second mm-hmm. Florida loses... I'll, A&M is going down with them for me because I they're only there because they they got the head-to-head over Florida, and Florida is so much better than everyone else. As soon as Florida's gone, A&M is gone for me, which means Cincinnati is probably the team, but I would strongly consider a two-loss Clemson if it's a close loss because then it's one Bama versus four Clemson, which to me is ideal, mm. and then it's two Notre Dame, three Ohio State. Now, I, actually, that is a good point because if if I'm not mistaken,
1: didn't Georgia lose two times to Alabama in the same season and once in the regular season, once in the conference title game in the sec and still make the playoff a couple of
0: years back. No, I think that year, the year Georgia was in the playoff, Alabama missed the conference title game. Okay. That was the year Alabama got in without a conference title because Auburn beat them, so Auburn wow. had the to head-to-head over Alabama, I think, and then they got stomped by Georgia. So okay. then it became Georgia, Alabama, and then they ended up meeting each other in the final. I think that's okay. what happened.
1: Yeah, that's my concussion memory right there. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think um, all things considered, we're probably looking at. I, I, me personally, I would take. Uh, you, you'd have to go with with the undefeated team in that scenario that's I, I just think that you have to give Cincinnati a chance because if you don't give Cincinnati a chance if they're undefeated you're literally just saying to all of college football we're picking eight teams that each year are going to play their schedule and if they're 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 they qualify and everyone else suck on it so I if if you can't include one of the non power 5 or or not you know whatever it would be if you can't include an AAC champion of, of Cincinnati undefeated and in the top 10 i then then there's no point to playing college football outside of the you know LSU Texas Notre Dame USC all
0: the all the blue bloods basically yeah i it's the group of 5 if it's not now it's when right it'll probably be never and that's the sad reality that we're living in until there's a playoff expansion mm-hmm. which I'm not four, at least not to eight. I don't like an expansion Six to eight. Teams. Six teams for me as well, but we'll, we'll see an expansion at some point in the near future. Um, okay, so with all this being said, we've talked playoff scenarios. Um, that is a possible. I just want to give that to you guys, the listeners. It's possible Clemson can sneak your back door in there, um, but we're headed for Ohio State or Alabama. Let's talk Clemson. Let's talk the ACC title game. We have, we're have we planning, hopefully, something special for next week where we might not be able to talk as much about Clemson. So let's get this in now. You sent me something, Steve, uh, an image from ESPN's FPI predictor. Can you tell the audience what it says?
1: Yeah, it currently says that Clemson, with the return of Trevor Lawrence and key uh, starters on defense... They currently have a 71.7% chance to win. And obviously, if you can do math, which I can't, despite being in finance, uh, that gives Notre Dame a 28.3% chance to win. So that means that despite us beating Clemson earlier, then they're still only, only giving us a 1-4 in four chance to win this game uh, because of Trevor Lawrence coming back. I think
0: that number should be closer to 60-40, but I don't work for ESPN. If I recall correctly, in the first matchup, it was lower. It was lower than this. And I think that was even before the COVID case with Trevor is I think Clemson was only in the 60s to beat Notre Dame and to have them, you know, in the low 70s. Now, it could be just because they're healthier, but it could also be, you know, the the way the rest of the season played out, whatever metric the FBI includes in their in their win probability. Must have just increased Clemson's odds, despite losing to the team they're playing. It's just a little ridiculous to me. I don't think that's the case. I feel better than ever against Clemson, with or without sunshine, um, mm-hmm. because we've beaten them. We beat them, and Trevor Lawrence in that game to me doesn't make much of a difference. DJ throws for 450 yards. We really could have put it to them with not, a, you know, if not for a fumble in the end zone. I like our chances. Now, granted, like I said the whole time, we could totally lose this title game. Totally. Valid. Clemson is an excellent team. But the idea that somehow it's going to be a bigger blowout in Clemson's favor because, what, Lawrence is back? I, yeah. I don't buy it. I don't yeah. buy it. Notre Dame is absolutely in this game. We we have the recipe to beat Clemson. And even though they're going to gain some guys on the defense, Ian Book... Has improved. The entire offense has improved since the Clemson game. So it's not just Clemson who's getting better. You know, they're getting back their, their great players. Good for them. Notre Dame has improved drastically since the Clemson game, right? That was one of the best games in our history. And then we go on to just pummel other teams. You know, the Boston College game was unbelievable um, offensively. North Carolina was so impressive. Syracuse was kind of a write-off game. But... Our receivers are really progressing. Our our quarterback is developing even more. I I think a lot of people are letting Notre Dame slide under the radar here, and I really don't think you should.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, DJ basically played replacement level football. So to think that that T Law is going to be coming in and and just playing significantly better than what Ugungulele would have played at, like. It, it, I think that's just totally ridiculous. Um, now, will the? Just a second here. I have. A, I'm actually. This is a live podcast, and I have a question from one of the live listeners. Will Trevor Lawrence go to the Jets or do one more year at Clemson? He is not going to do one more year at Clemson. He's checked out. He is going to the Jets. Uh, anyway, uh, back to the to the point at hand here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, DJ played replacement-level football with Trevor Lawrence. I don't think there was much of a drop-off there. And we left, was it 14 or 17 points on the table in the red zone? Um, you know, we, we, we had to settle for three a couple of times there. Obviously, something we're going to have to to iron out. I'm not saying that in, in a rematch or in a perfect world, you know, we, we go you know 100% in the red zone in touchdowns. Who knows? Who knows how the rematch is going to play out, but... We belong there. We belong in the game. We—it's not like just because Trevor, like Trevor Lawrence, is not some godlike figure. He's human. In fact, he has played less games than Ian Book and has more interceptions than Ian Book. I mean, it's only a three-to-two ratio between them. But it's not like this is a guy that that is completely impervious. He can be beat. Any college quarterback can be beat on any day. So I—I I don't think that Trevor Lawrence is going to come in and then all of a sudden we're looking at like a thirty-seven to 17 game Uh, I I think it's it's going to be significantly closer than that because we've already played them basically at their best and yeah they're going to be getting slightly better but we're also playing slightly better so I I think it's going to be it it equals out in my opinion
0: yeah well what concerns me the most is that uh, our friends at NDFB analytics have pointed out Trevor Lawrence throws the deep ball more than DJ does and that's our area of weakness, although I have said by the law of averages, we're about we're we're bound to win one of these 50-50 balls at some point. Um but that's one area that I'm concerned is exploiting the corners over the top. Um if Notre Dame's gonna commit to to stopping ETN again. I didn't think we loaded the box too much in the last game when I rewatched it. Uh but it's something to, to take into account. You know, are you gonna perhaps drop a linebacker more frequently to, to deal with Trevor Lawrence's aerial attack. It depends. It's going to be a very interesting and important game from both the coordinators, Clark Lee and Tommy Reese. Um, do you have kind of any major concerns with, with Clemson and with this game? Uh, we got two weeks to go though. Um, anything, any thoughts you have?
1: My concern is that we are going to try to stick to the run, especially against their revamped defense and not let book cook. Ian has played like a Heisman candidate over the past five weeks. There's no reason in hell why you just – you have to let Ian Book throw the ball 25 times before halftime. You cannot continue to let to, – to think that Kyron Williams is going to be – like he's not going to have another 75-yard run on the second play of the game. That's just not going to happen. Now, our offensive line is phenomenal, but we're playing – higher competition, we're probably going to be at three, three and a half yards per carry, and we're just not going to win a football game if we try to grind it out. You have to let Ian Book go out there, utilize Javon, utilize Ben and and Mayer and all his weapons, throw the ball down the field, let Ian Book be your guy. If they refuse to let Ian Book be their go-to guy and rely on him, then we're going to get beat by probably 17, to be honest. <laughs> it, but if, yeah. if you let Ian Book go out there and play his game, we, we might possibly win by 17. Who knows? It, it's, I mean, that's obviously very drastic numbers in, in either direction. But I think the, the point of emphasis I'm trying to make here is you can't rely
0: on Kyren to have a game like he had last time. You have to let Book cook. Although you might be able to expect Chris Tyree to break off a 94 yard touchdown with that kind of <laughs> speed.
1: Very true. He was fucking flying.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a home-run hitter, and that could be important in the Clemson game, right? If you start wearing down that D-line, that could play into it. Um, I'll, I agree with everything you've said. Obviously, we have to let Book Cook. The best way, I think, to, to beat Clemson, because they're going to get that linebacker back, um, the linebacker back, um, he, the guy coming off injury, um, is it um, Skolsky? or? Yeah, Skolsky, that's correct. I, something like that. But they also He's, did just lose Venables to a broken arm. I, okay, that's interesting. Um, but, I mean, assuming they've upgraded at the linebacker position, the best way to keep them off is to play action, right? That is the universal truth of football is you get those linebackers to bite momentarily, and next thing you know, Michael Mayer is down the seam for 35 yards. So that's one way to keep Clemson at bay. I'm not super worried about our offense because we we saw the Clemson game. Um, plus, uh, we know how, how much points were left on the board and how how many improvements we've made um i'll i'll tell you two things that i'm concerned about one snapping the ball like with zeke correll who we expect to come back for the game he had about three sketchy snaps against north carolina that could come back to hurt us obviously there was a snap in the syracuse game that caused a fumble so that's possible the other thing i would say too is kicking um, Jonathan Door has really kind of gone cold lately. He was good in the Clemson game. Uh, he went three for three, I think. And then he missed one from like 55 yards. He wasn't supposed to hit. Um, but lately he's been shaky and, and that could be a huge part of the game when you know the two teams are so evenly matched. Um, I, I think that's pretty much it from, from my perspective. Do you have anything to add on top of that? No, I, I think you're spot on. I think,
1: we've we've obviously seen them before we know what we're going to get we know what to expect we know we can compete just a matter of execution and i it's it's going to be incumbent on tommy reese to call his magnum opus at which he he did a damn good job uh well he's done very well over the past couple of weeks uh but i mean he's he's got to be practically flawless in this acc championship game for us to continue this winning momentum and, and uh and beat these fucking Clemson Tigers that seemingly will <laughs> just refuse to go away. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I originally said I wanted Tommy Reese to really open up the playbook against Syracuse, but he kind of just went straight chalk, just didn't really open anything up at all. And, and ho- the hope here is that he's saving it, just saving every possible trick, every play, everything imaginable so he can throw the entire kitchen sink at Brent Venables in this defense. And, and that's the hope, because if, uh, again, if, if we rely on Kyron Williams in the running game, I think we're toast. But if, if we can get Ian Book some time, if we can get play action, if we can get Mayer up the seam, if we can get Tommy Trumbull up the seam, you know, Skoronic has been playing great. Javon has obviously been on fire lately. We stand a chance. We, we, we stand a very, very good chance. Again, I, I think this is the the odds are closer to sixty forty in favor of Clemson than it's the seventy five twenty five we're currently seeing, uh, you know, been, been given to us. So yeah, uh, we're, we'll we'll obviously find out in a, in in due time. But I Any I think that we're being not massively scorer?
0: not a score prediction. Who's
1: gonna win though? Notre Dame's gonna win. Um, ACC champs. I like it. ACC champions. I think that it's it's just we have too much momentum and there's just too much of a special feeling around this team. Uh, And I think it would just be too hilarious to join a conference for one year ever win the conference title game, and then yeet the fuck out and just be back to independence and then still be at the top of our game. So if I were to give a score prediction, I know you didn't particularly ask for one. It was what? 27, 27 last game heading into overtime 33-33. 33-33. 3333. 3333. 33. I'm probably going to go with I'm I'm going with 38 32.
0: Interesting. That's a good scoreline. I I think that's that's totally plausible too given what was left on the board. Um I realized we still have a week of college football, which means you still have a week to catch up in our game. I'm going to roll questions off as I read them, like I'm picking them on the spot and you gotta tell me who's gonna win the football game. Fair Still? enough. Yep. All right. Game number one. Navy is going to Army. Army's the home team. I don't know if that's a neutral site game, but Navy Army.
1: Yep. Uh I'm gonna go with Navy just because I feel like Army just never seems to get their shit together. Uh the midshipmen typically give us a tough game Uh, I know they've been down in recent years, but I'm rolling with Navy.
0: Okay, I'm going Army. Um, Big ACC matchup. Uh, North Carolina is going to Miami.
1: Ooh, that's a difficult one because I feel like Derek King has really not played phenomenal this year, but he's still so friggin' good. But Sam Howell uh, had a bounce back performance last week against like a Division Seven team, so albeit so. I think is that gonna be played in Coral Gables or in in, uh, in North Carolina? Miami. All right, so I'm I'm gonna go
0: with uh, I'm gonna go with Miami at home then. Okay, um, Miami's played really well lately, but you know what? I think they're a bunch of soft cookie cu- cookie cut- cookie cutters. Damn it, over there. Um, I'm taking North Carolina. Okay. okay, let's move on to the two disappointing teams in the Pac-12. Washington is going to Oregon. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Oregon just because
1: I've bet against them with Stanford earlier in the year and they beat the piss out of me, so I,
0: I think I'm going to stick with, uh, with the Oregon Ducks winning this game. Yep, I agree with you there. I think Oregon's going to probably beat them fairly convincingly, um, but you never really know. Okay, um, we've got to pull up games here on the fly. Two bad teams in the ACC, Duke at Florida State. Florida State is hapless. So I'm going to go with the Blue Devils here. That's good. I'm going to take Florida State. So yeah, you can make up some ground this week. Uh and last but not least, um let's get into the Great Commonwealth of Virginia. <laughs> Virginia's going to Virginia Tech. Uh yeah, I would
1: say we I'm going to roll with Virginia Tech. Um I think I think Beamer Ball will prevail here. Virginia is is really down. I don't think they are are quite where they were at a couple of years back. Um, so I'm gonna roll with the Hokies here.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. They're at home. That always seems to be a safe pick in college football. So that's our predictions week 15. Now, man, we're really flying by the college football season. Um, Steve, do you want to talk about Ian Book or or do you should you gotta go? Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll call a lid
1: on it this week, but we, uh, can definitely defer to our next podcast next Sunday.
0: It will be super relevant at some point. Um, it is. All right. So stay tuned for that special discussion on Ian book. Um, thanks for hanging in there guys. Um, Steve and I keep enjoying this, which is why we do it. Um, Notre Dame 10 and O undefeated regular season. Uh, let us know your thoughts and uh, and what you think is going to happen in the Clemson game. Any last words, Steve? No. Uh, Ten and no. One of our arguably our,
1: our best runs in recent memory, Brian Kelly is a great coach. Ian Book is a Heisman-esque quarterback. We're heading to the ACC championship game, and we're going to win it. So go, go Irish. Got a a lively bunch around me today.
0: So
1: So go Irish and beat the living piss out of Trevor
0: Lawrence. Let's get some redemption. Agreed. Go Irish. Get healthy. Thanks. See you guys next week.